0: hello and welcome to the gaming fix podcast episode 249 on november twenty-sixth, two 2022 i am your host andre cole aka the wet gamer aka your partner's favorite computer component i'm joined today by pat It's
1: a good question I, I mean easy thing to say is a video card but i feel like If you don't have a good. Because it's like, I kind of want to say power supply, but they're boring. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I think I'm going to say motherboards, because motherboards have a bunch of dumb garbage on them Uh these days that are always like RGB controllers or Uh weird, like. Heat spreaders. Yes, and like, this port is lightning speed. Versus all these other ports that look the same, but they're not as fast. We're not telling yeah. you why. Uh-huh. Uh, this one's red. So I think, I think that the motherboard being such a weird thing, uh, because they want to do premium motherboards, but motherboards are actually like the most affordable
0: component of a PC these days. Yeah. <laughs> There's and. Like, there are certainly things like VRMs and the cooling on them can certainly impact performance, but, like, a motherboard's mostly just a motherboard. Like, you know, it's got some different inputs, outputs on there, but for the most part, you know, it's kind of the same.
1: And because of that, like they come up with these ridiculous features because yeah. they need to stand out and yep. be like, no, we're the motherboard for or gamers.
0: That are aesthetic. Yeah, features are aesthetic, and it's just yeah. Like real yeah, wild, it's funny. Like, oh god, is it MSI is like the mortar and stuff like that, where they've just got you know all this military and the uh, military iconography. ASUS has the tough branding, mm-hmm. which is like you know the yep. The metal and whatever—it's silly. Rog Strix, mm-hmm. where's the Republic of Gamers on this map? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think they're next to be annexed by Russia. Uh, but it's just us today, just the two of us, which means yes, yes, we get to talk about. I, whatever we i don't know whatever whatever, whatever pat you've brought you uh, you've said you've brought something that is going to make me mad i don't know when you want to talk about it it won't make you that
1: mad I, we can talk I, about it whenever
0: I, 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 I don't i don't know what it is you you've played coy this whole time and when allison said she couldn't make it i believe you said you can make me mad whether she's here or not so <laughs> something like that yeah
1: it's not really. It won't really make you mad because it's not like it's uh-huh, taking yeah. time away from any of the stuff you actually care about me no, doing, which no, is of just reading, not. reading mistborn and <laughs> <laughs> rhythm of war. <laughs> if anything, it's something I can. It's another thing I could play while I yeah listen to those to, mm-hmm. to the books.
0: Sure. So okay, uh, what did you what did you play this week? So,
1: so I've got you know I have Pokemon that I'm still chipping away at. I have God of War to play. I'm playing Call of Duty most nights. And uh, I still have Pentiment to to bang out one of these days. I gotta get
0: more time into that, but
1: yeah. Uh, I'm having a little bit of... That game is so good, but I'm running into the same struggle I run into with visual novels with it, or sometimes like I can't binge it like I want to. I feel like I have to play it in like 20-minute chunks, which is so... So anyway, that's neither here nor there. I don't have any more complex yeah. thoughts on Pentiment other than the writing is still really good. Um, but I am still not all the way to the murder yet; just a little oh, bit. Wow. The past okay. where I was. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's like I'm like right there. It's yeah. like the next thing that happens for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Anyway, but there were all of them deceived. Where another game was installed. Uh. Every oh, wow. it's not a Lord of the Rings game. Uh. Every every time I launch Call of Duty, I do it on the BattleNet launcher and so it pops up with this like look at this dragon you Mm -hmm. could be playing Uh as right now in dragon and
0: playing as a dragon yeah
1: dude Dude, so
0: this what happens in Dragonflight?
1: yeah so uh, there's Uh i i usually dip in just to to, like sample wow expansions when they come out because i do like i like world of warcraft um Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not a hardcore wow player my partner plays a lot of uh wow classic um but i think that world of warcraft is a good game it's had its ups and downs but um the uh the dragon stuff was really cool looking to me so i was i didn't just i kind of did some research on it first to see like how were people feeling about the dragon flight beta and it turns out really popular there's a bunch of people that are like this is going to be the best expansion since legion which was the last one that people really really liked okay. um and uh so I I decided to check it out because it's not out yet, but the pre-patch is out, which lets you play as the Drakthir Evoker, which is the new race and class combination. Um, and it is a dragon. And people really liked were super hot on this class, and I found them pretty interesting because they start at level fifty-eight, and by the time you finish their they the last expansion they did a big um level crunch so they brought the max level back down to 60 like it was at the beginning um and uh so this expansion the the drag theory evoker is a hero class kind of like death knights um where you start at level 58 and by the time you finish their starting zone you're at level 60 so which is the cap so it's like kind of it's a good class to play if you are um either Newer return. You're super roboty, by the way. Yeah. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, about... uh, hang on. Am I better? Okay.
0: Oh, now you're, now I you're had fine. the. So I, it might have been that I had the Dragonflight page up, and that was like something going on on that That's page. That's funny. Was, yes, I think that was there's so a lot going on on
1: that page. They were trying to. <laughs> they were trying to silence you so that you can't.
0: I was any. just saying, like, it looks like uh, endgame content, or it, no, it puts you right there at the end of the game, so you can just get exactly, right into it. Exactly, yeah, so, so that's, the whole progression. Exa- so
1: I could, right, so I won't have to, so I won't do the thing I usually do with WoW expansions, where I go, oh, the new expansion looks cool, I'm gonna start it, I'm gonna start a new character, and then I spend like two weeks leveling and then I don't play much of the new yeah. expansion. <laughs> um, this is more like, no, I can just jump in and, and and then actually play the new expansion when it hits on Monday. Um, and uh, I think that the drag through evoker is really cool. It's a pretty different, They they also have added more stuff. Like there's an action combat mode now, which is not really like action action, but what it does is your spells, like your abilities, auto target, whatever is in front mm-hmm. of you. So you can just hit the keys and aim your character at stuff that you want to hit. So it feels a little bit more like an action game and it makes the... the, I'm sure it wouldn't be very good for like raiding or whatever because you need precision Mm -hmm. there. Um, But you can still tab target and click target things when you're using this action combat mode if you want to. Or if you don't do that, then it will just... That'll like lock your target or you can just leave it unlocked and point your character at stuff you want to hit. So that's kind of fun. and the. Drag Through Evoker class is interesting. It's like a healer damage hybrid. Um, so you can spec it either as a healer or in or more into damage, which is nice. And um it's they're like a kind of they're only a 25 yard range mage, which is I believe it's like yeah. shorter range than most uh ranged damage dealers in that game. It's kind of cool because you're at a different distance than other people sure. to combat, and they're also super mobile, as you might expect, because they're right. dragons. <laughs> um, and this is a class that only the drakthir can play, and drakthir can only play an evoker. Oh, so you're basically picking the mm-hmm. race and class as like a yeah. combination, um, and so you you get spells like um, there's a there's a there's a fireball spell, shoot fireballs, and then it can also heal teammates if you hit them with it um you have like a ice uh slash with your claws that hits everybody in front of you um they have a new type of spell i think it's empowered spells is what it's called where you actually like hold the, uh, bu- the button down and it charges up and you release at a certain point on this meter and it causes different does different stuff so like one League of them does more damage <laughs> yeah kind of yeah one of them just does more damage in the cone in front of you. Another one will hit more enemies mm-hmm. based on how long you hold it down for. So the combat rotation for them is really interesting. Um, it's 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 actually got like decision making. Like I, I, people don't have to, to don't come after me with torches and pitchforks. I think this class's combat rotation is more interesting than any of the stuff I was doing in Final Fantasy 14 when I stopped playing it um and that's a good thing cuz i got like super bored of the combat in this game whereas i feel like in every major fight that i'm in and i've been doing there's a um there's a current event right now where there's like it's not like it's very super compelling but there's like primal energy storms happening around Azeroth and you go to the zone and then everybody goes to fight this big boss and um it's it's like you have to be kind of focused because it's like a huge world boss and there's like 30, 40 people there and nobody cares if you die. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you kind of have to keep yourself alive. Um, and so uh, you could join a yeah. group, I'm sure. And there's people, I'm sure, healing, but I'm just going in solo. Um, and so whenever I'm in those big fights, there's always a lot of like cool decision making that I get to do. It has moves to where you like fly over a group of enemies and then land on the other side of them. And it has a move called Hover where you can cast your like channeled and empowered spells while you move, okay. um, which is cool. So it's like a very mobile class as well. And then the the biggest thing that is also a part of this expansion for everyone, but you kind of get a preview of it with the Drakthir, is they have an ability called Soar, which is sick as hell. You jump way up in the air, and then you're just flying, and you're flying way faster than flying. Oh, so fly. it's like
0: Anthem. Like... <laughs> You fly up, yeah, in the air basically. And then you I mean, can, you know, shoot stuff down at the. Okay, yeah. So they made anthem. You can't fight from. You can't fight from
1: soar <laughs> oh. at this point, but who knows what they'll add Boo. in the future. But what's cool is like soaring is it's it's limited. It's the, the the difference from flying mounts is that your character like I get they claim they frame frame it as they get mm-hmm. tired, but you can fly a pretty long. You can fly like halfway across a mm-hmm. zone with one. Burst of Soar, and then it's got a four minute cooldown. Um, and what's cool about it is that you gain more speed by going down. And if you go straight down, then they like the character like folds your wings up, and then you're like diving really fast. So if you start someplace up high, you can get farther yeah. because you can pick up more speed. And then, as you fly, you get two charges of like a boost forward, so you can get your speed it's back. Like a little, and then little you get one charge you puff out. To... Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And then one charge uh, will boost you back up into the air another like fifty feet or whatever. Um, so you can, if you get, you can actually like get better at it uh, and like learn how to best maximize the distance sure. and the speed and stuff. Go which do is some cool. Batman Arkham um,
0: if, VR training missions.
1: Totally. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like—is like flying in in like an Arkham game or something. It feels so different than typical WoW movement, Um, and it's really fresh and fun. And it makes just going from place to place entertaining. Still, I mean, I haven't played dozens and dozens of hours. Eventually, it probably just would be the same feeling as anything else. But what's cool is um, in the expansion, one of the big mechanics, as obviously it's called Dragonflight, is you get to like train like rec- recruit or tame or train I don't know how it'll be narratively presented a dragon how to recruit
0: a dragon that
1: you can then pretty much yeah that you can then you can then like customize visually it's not just like another mount in your menu it's like it it it's you you get pretty deep visual and i think stat customization i think you can change the way that it like i don't know if it can fight or what um and then there's there's pieces of the game of the of the new map where like you are doing flight challenges and stuff like that and flying these mounts around. So it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward for to, to Dragonflight coming out. I one of the things that I'm curious about now is every other time I've dipped into WoW, I've very much kind of just played the leveling content and treated any end game stuff as like, eh, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna touch it. But now that I have a baseline understanding of like a better understanding of MMO endgame through Destiny, I don't want to play, prioritize WoW above doing hard Destiny stuff. And I'm not interested in finding like a group of people to play with. But so much of WoW is easy to get into in the endgame, even as a solo person now, because they have like the raid finder and stuff like that. So I am interested in learning more about the mechanics of because I was reading a little bit about this class and how it'll perform an end game and it's pretty complex. Like I, I didn't, I haven't ever gotten into high level WoW and and some of the stuff that's a thing now are is like pretty complicated. I would I would say almost more complex than Destiny the way that like the stats and numbers work and it's just because in WoW you don't have The same kind of like gameplay different fluidity i guess and differences between like guns and destiny there's a certain amount of it that's just like this is how this gun Mm -hmm. feels like an lfr feels different than a shotgun um whereas in wow playing different classes feels different but your fireball spell doesn't necessarily feel different to land than your ice claw spell other than the fact that one is a one is a channel. So all they have is that is like the the math between them and I'm interested in learning more about how that works because it seems pretty complex. Um so we'll see if I stick with it but uh it's been worth it just for the 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 few hours of uh soaring around that I've been doing and I think it'll be fun to see the new the new zone. And um the other thing that I appreciated about the expansion so far based on the story of the dragons showing up is It is definitely peak. Like they are. There's something I. Again, I don't want people to come after me with pitchforks. But some of the 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 ways in which Final Fantasy 14 tells its story, it's a good story. I don't want to suggest that I think the story is not good. Is it? Um, it it's good. (laughs) I don't agree that it's like. Incredible, I don't, I don't necessarily. think it's bad,
0: but I don't know that I would say it's good. I think it's... Personally, but...
1: On a scale, if we're on like a, a five-point scale where good is the three, it's good. And like two is bad, one of is Of all the
0: stories that are, it is one. <laughs> it is,
1: let's say, in the middle. <laughs> uh, anyway... Part of my issue became with it and part of why I stopped playing it is it starts like creeping further and further up its own asshole, in my opinion. (laughs) And I'm very sorry to people that are that that love this thing, because I understand that it's I have I love things that are kind of up their own ass, too. So I'm not saying that you're wrong to still love it. But since it was already not, Mm -hmm. I was already getting frustrated with certain narrative elements to then have it get kind of. Pretentious is the wrong word. I don't even like using that word. But anyway, but the point I'm trying to make is that one of the things I appreciate about WoW is they're like, you know what are cool dragons? So we're going to come up with this, frankly, kind of dumb reason that all these dragons showed up now. And oh, it's going to be mean, sick. And you're going to have fun with mean, it.
0: Uh, Heaven's word.
1: Yeah, except that in this case, it's like...
0: You get to be the <laughs> like dragon. Like the
1: drakthir. Well, and the drakthir were like... In these vaults for thousands of years, and that's why nobody had seen them before. And they were like pawns of prime of of the of the like prime. What are they called? The dragons have always been a thing, right? Like Ysera, Alexstrasza, Nosdormu. I think is one of
0: their Ur- names. Yeah. Um, uh huh.
1: Uh, and they've been raid bosses, right? anixia uh, right, right, right. like those those characters, and. So early on, they were just big dragons, and then they got like kind of we woven into the lore as like they are not as powerful as titans. Titans being the like huge, almost godlike, not quite godlike, but almost godlike beings that are like the size of planets or whatever, and they can make themselves smaller. They're like kind of galacticy, uh, and the dragons are like not as strong as them, but they're one of the you know. Very powerful adversaries in the world, so now they're the story, and I don't know where this became the thing, but now the idea is at one point in time these drag the dragons were protectors of Azeroth and good guys, but then they got like betrayed or something, and like when they were protectors of Azeroth, they had an, this like race of Drakthir that there was that was like their army or whatever and then something happened, which I assume is gonna be the main story, is learning about it in Dragonflight, and it caused them to seal up the Drakthier in these vaults, like gargoyles from the show Gargoyles, which is maybe part of why I'm enjoying this so much. <laughs> uh, because they basically turned them to stone is the Dracthyr, Keith David in this game. And No, I wish. And now the Drakthier have like, and you're not sure why, but now the Drakthir have awoken, and there's like this vault of storms where there was a nasty dragon. hmm That doesn't really look like it. She looks more like a big bird, kind of. She looks kind of stupid, but in a scary way. Um, And so they, like, blew that gate open, that vault open, and she got out, and now she's like, I'm going to destroy the world or whatever. Uh, It's all very, I don't even want to use the word silly, but it's very just, like, fun. It's just very entertaining. It doesn't, it's not trying to be deep or, like, super... Um, it just doesn't have that same tone as a lot of games where instead it's just more like, eh, it's kind of a comic book. It's just fun, um, which I enjoy. And it also feels like a decent, it doesn't feel like I need to play through the last expansion story to like understand what's going on now because that, may tell me who the like current war chief is and stuff like it, it that has that was important for the like overall arc of the the world but this expansion is clearly going to be we're going to go to these dragon isles this new continent and the whole story is going to be pretty well contained there uh which is is fun so yeah I'm looking forward to it it's uh I wouldn't say oh my god oh my god everybody has to run out and play this but it seems like the the general tone from the community yeah, is pretty yeah. positive on it too and also in Blizzard's kind of reckoning with the horrible stuff that was going on and their their culturally, what I've seen from some kind of influencers and insiders who, like, know what's going on inside of Blizzard, the development of the last expansion was not a great time for a lot of people because they were still dealing with having super toxic, both people that were involved in a lot of the the sort of sexual harassment stuff that came out about the the studio and then also just generally sort of toxic people. And there, when that stuff came out and and people started leaving the company, it did leave the studio in a better place. Again, this is all third hand information, but it sounds like it left the studio in a better place from a culture perspective, as you would expect when a bunch of people get expelled. (laughs) Um, and so that it sounds like the development of this expansion was a lot more um like i don't know fun's the right word but it it didn't have that same level of toxicity uh which sounds like it's been reflected in from people who have played the beta the product itself as being a much more enjoyable experience rather than the last one that was that was cool i think you know i don't think people hated the last expansion my partner really liked it um but it was not it didn't seem to have the same. It, it was a little grindier, and it had it didn't have as much adventure kind of funness. There was also a cool. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I'm not saying that I think Blizzard is going to be able to tell a great story of indigenous peoples, but one cool moment when you know it, they do the natural thing—the dracthyr wake up, the island, their small part of the Dragon Isles that they were stuck on—is kind of getting fucked up by this storm dragon causing this huge primal storm. So the Drakthir have to evacuate, half of them go to the Horde, half of them go to the Alliance, that whole thing as you would expect. Um so I went Horde and <laughs> the the end of their sort of story for their the the pre-patch stuff is the Horde are like, "Well, we got to go explore the Dragon Isles then. We got to go we got to go let's go. Let's go check it out." And the the leader of the Drakthir on the Horde side is like, "Okay, but that's our ancestral homeland so don't get don't get too excited about colonizing <laughs> it because that's we're gonna that's gonna be our place yeah. to live <laughs> so I'll be interested to see if they do anything engaging with that uh with that idea um because i I would love to see them tell a good story about trying to manage something like that <laughs> uh, so it's cool full expansion comes out monday so I'll, i'm gonna play through that's, the that's, zones that's at least. What you need more games <laughs> was, i know right i don't know i it it was very much born it was very much born out of this thing of like i'm not going to force myself to play a game that i'm not yeah, feeling totally. like playing in the moment just because i feel like like they're supposed to be yep. fun that's and where i'm at that specific evening i was like ah, i like all these other games that are on my plate but I don't feel like playing any of them right there with you. And yeah. So that's, that's kind of where it came from. Um, and I am just, I am fortunate enough in a position that I can, you know, I can't do it every day, Mm -hmm. but I can pick up a wow expansion if I'm feeling like I want to try it out. And, uh, and so, yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, I'll probably have a little more. I don't, I won't talk at length about it on, Mm -hmm future episodes, but I'm sure I'll have a little more next week once I get into the zones a little bit.
0: I have a feeling it's going to be
1: it's going to be but... World of
0: Warcraft.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I is um, are they so you talked about how their the uh, the movement and stuff and maybe the the invoker seems more interesting. Does it are they with this new expansion are they doing anything to other classes to make them more engaging or is that just
1: well, the level cap is going up by 10 levels. I don't know what the... You can do the action combat thing mm-hmm. I mentioned with any character. And I from what I saw from watching videos that people made, it's really fun on melee yeah. characters um, in particular. Uh, and it makes them feel very different. I don't think there's any... Oh, well, there's also a huge talent rework. Of course. Like the way the talent... They, they rework talents all the time, you know, but this is like the biggest one they've maybe ever mm-hmm. done um it's very cool the way that the talent trees look and work now they feel like super modern and um and you can now import talent builds directly from like your clipboard so you can like go to icy veins and copy a, a text string and it'll just import it and you can save those talent builds mm. so you can have like a list of them and as long as you're outside of com- t- combat you can change them whenever you Great. want so you don't yeah there there's a lot of features like that now that are they fixed bags now so you can just have all of your bags combined into one window <laughs> uh so you don't have to yeah. have like which there's an add-on that's done yeah. that forever but yeah, it's now that add-on is just basically game, yeah. built into the game um and there's a ton of other ui improvements and then the the other classes will get access to this some of this movement stuff because they'll get to tame mm-hmm. to train da- mm-hmm. dragons uh so um, that'll be cool. Uh, and I don't know what they're bringing in terms of new class abilities. I'm sure that there's, yeah. you know, anou- there's some there's some stuff in there. Uh, I don't know if there'll be anything that turns any classes on their heads, but um,
0: oh, they're putting there. All thing in all, I think I
1: <laughs> all in all, I think that when they did the leveling crunch from what I played, they did a pretty good job of sort of refreshing a lot of that stuff so that it feels a little more modern. I think that classic existing is giving them the opportunity to be a little more creative with some of their class design and rework choices. Because now if somebody's like, you fucked up rogues, I hate the way they play now. They can say, well, you can go play classic Mm -hmm. because then it'll be just like they were back in Wrath of the Lich Gang, which is what a lot of people that argue that stuff seem to want. So, um, uh i i'm i think that it's probably good and i i think this expansion kind of clear cuz it looks good too the dragon isle stuff that i that you do at the beginning of the dracther story looks really good like it's it's still super stylized it's world of warcraft it's not like it's a different game necessarily but the dracther themselves look awesome um and the the enemies look very cool and the environments are really lush and and look great so um point being i think that they're in a good place to i mean i don't think there needs to be any discussion of like was wow dwindling because i don't know it seems like it's in a good place to me, uh technically and from a ui perspective and and um gameplay wise so um you know, hopefully the the other classes will feel more engaging just because they have some
0: new stuff. Totally, to do. Uh, that that would be the hope with an expansion to you know keep everybody because uh, you can't have an entire party of Invokers going through a raid. I assume, or at least you know maybe you could, but
1: I mean you probably could. You mm-hmm. could, you could, you could uh, have healers and DPS, but you wouldn't want to do it for yeah. a raid because you don't they don't they don't exactly. Tank. Um you could get through dungeons yeah. fine. We we I played there's a it's not a new new dungeon, but it's it's a they 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 basically redid an old dungeon and added some lore that fits with the current storyline. So you go there to learn more about Tyr, who was a oh, the god of war. He's a guy who's involved with dragons and yeah, who fucking knows, man. Um and I did that dungeon and uh our tank left halfway through and the people were not pleased, um, but we, we managed to do the second half of the dungeon with just five people, uh, or whatever, yeah. without the tank. Four people? I forget mm-hmm. the yeah. group size, because Destiny yeah, has me totally. <laughs> all fucked up. But anyway, we didn't have a tank, and we were fine through the rest of the raid. <laughs> or yeah. dungeon. Oh. But I at least I at least want to do like some heroics stuff at the end of this. I don't know if I'll end up doing any of the raids, but... I'm curious. I don't want to join a group for it, but I'm I'm curious to try some of the end game at the end of this tunnel because it's it seems like it could be pretty cool, uh, and I want to learn some more about gearing in that game.
0: Yeah. Well, you also brought something also very. I'm gonna say nerdy because WoW is I feel like pretty nerdy at this point. There's like yeah, it always was but i feel like that always like yeah, st- stuck in like the like a wow like wow that's that's a nerdy thing to play uh you know, no judgment yeah, on that yeah. but it's, well it like, also a very used to be type no of no it also
1: used to be now there's a more i think diverse audience that plays it sure. because just over time like it, it so you, but at the for a long time also wow was like like there were cool people. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. played Yeah, it, it, it's course, a very like, niche
0: thing. Got a even, lot of, like, even though it's so massive. I feel like it's somewhat niche. Well, and you used to just look. Baron's chat was a thing. Sure. There, <laughs> there is, yes, there is. Time, time, right? There is that. Like,
1: you don't run into that stuff as much now. Uh, but uh, but it used to be mm-hmm. kind of a cesspool. of yeah, places yeah. and times.
0: Uh, but uh, but uh, do you're back with the tabletop. It got Dune. The yes. spice must flow. Yeah, this
1: is yeah, this is like a late edition. I originally I only picked this up yesterday, and I just did it because my game local game store had a really good sale. Uh, I don't know how they make margin when they have these crazy Black Friday sets, <laughs> but they're they seem to be doing just fine. So whatever. I love my uh, my local game store, and I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna go pick something up. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of extra work for the holidays with some contract stuff that I do. So um I was like, yeah, you know, this sounds, this uh, that'll be my last sort of gift to me for the season is some kind of board game thing. And I didn't have anything specifically in mind. I was just kind of, I looked at some lists okay. of, of top board games of the year. And last year, this game Dune Imperium came out. And it's not related to the classic Dune board game in any way. Um, there's no real mechanical com- crossover. There's no design crossover. Um, this game is put out by Direwolf Digital, um, which is a actually a studio I like quite a bit. They make physical and digital tabletop games. Their, I think, probably biggest product ever was they made that Elder Scrolls... Uh, Digital trading card game. Okay, um,
0: was believe it or not, right? Okay, that, that which isn't in the litigious anymore. Very but, litigious uh, uh, existence for that. Because that was like no, was this the, one. The Elder Scrolls card game was that not like Mojang and like Notch was like hey, you can't call that because we got Scrolls as our card game and oh, I don't there, remember. There was that. like a maybe. whole thing around the naming um, of it, or maybe they were either way. Notch and Mojang. <clears throat>
1: Direwolf Direwolf does uh also makes Eternal which is a pretty good digital card game um and uh and then they've made like Clank I want to say they produced they are they they're, they're fairly prolific they have they have quite a few games um and Dune Imperium was one that I kind of dismissed when it came out last year uh it came out in like like summer last summer I want to say um because it I'm always wary of 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 movie tie-in board yeah, games. Very, this isn't, I mean,
0: they've got the likeness of the actors, so it's
1: yeah. So the art in this game is actually incredible. I didn't realize at the time how good it was. It's not just photos. I thought it was just like movie stills. It's not. It's 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 yeah. art. It's like, but it's stylized yeah, to the likenesses the of art. the actors uh, in the film. It's clearly inspired by the film. It has more characters in it than Mm -hmm. the movie does. So they they also have like their own original characters. But but yeah, it's the characters from the movie look like themselves in the board game. And I'm always a little wary of that stuff because licensed board games are even a little more um, hit or miss than video games because it's not expensive to design a board game. Um, it's it's pretty reasonable in terms of development cost because uh, you typically will have like one designer, one or two designers, with a few people to do sort of um, the kind of harder core play testing to suggest changes, and then you have your art team, and there's usually like three or four artists, but most board games are made with like ten to twenty people at most, not counting play testers. Um, like the wider playtesters, yeah. uh. So it doesn't take; it's kind of more comparable to like a book team than it is a video game <laughs> team. And you know, you can get a board game design hammered out in like a month and then playtest it over. It you know, it it only takes like a year to develop a board game. Um, you and again, all the stuff is. Uh, there's anybody out there who's like, well, no, this game took 10 years to develop. There's always whatever. exceptions. Sure, yes, and, yeah. of course. But but ultimately, board games are, the development of board games is much closer to writing books than it is to making video games, when you look at the process that, that, yeah. that happens. Um, and so what that means is they're much more affordable to make than video games, yes. and so you can have studios that are like, eh, let's make a Marvel card game, and it's gonna be kind of shitty probably but we don't have to put that much effort into it because worst case people spend ten dollars on our marvel card game and it's a deck of cards and then they get mad who cares (laughs) uh so there's a lot of that kind of like shovelware licensed board game stuff and card games i didn't think this game i never assumed that this game was like that but i was just like "Eh, i have the original dune board game that's all that's the dune tabletop and i need but um, but then it kept showing up on these lists of like best recent board games. And with the sale going on, I was like, you know what? I'm going fi- to I'm going to play it because I also heard it had a really good solitaire mode. And I would say that it does um, this. This game is a combination of um, deck building and worker placement. I don't know if those two terms mean much of anything uh, to you, the, but yeah,
0: uh... worker placement. Is that like uh, what's a, the most famous worker placement game?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess Lords of Waterdeep is up there, but maybe I'm dating myself because I don't know if it's that I'm famous anymore. <laughs> um, that that game kind of popularized, popularized worker placement in the West. Okay. It's a very Euro mm-hmm. mechanic. Um, I would say I've talked about worker yes, placement games yeah. on this podcast before. Like Lost Ruins of Arnok is actually... A fairly good touch point for doing Imperium, I think. Um, there's a lot in common with it. Um, but worker placement is basically where you, in this game, you start with two. You have workers and there's spaces around the board, and you place as you on your turn, you're placing a worker on that space. The space will typically give you some kind of benefit, and then nobody else is going to be able to use that space. So, very basic worker placements. It's like we all we need to make ten gold, and we gold. can sell. Wood. We can sell wood, iron, and uh fabric. And so this I'm gonna go to this space that gets me ten iron. You're gonna that means you have to go to this place that gets you ten wool. This person's gonna go to the the market and then they sold their iron and their wool and they got gold and we didn't do that yet. It's it's that kind of like racing for position sure. on a board and making decisions. Obviously most of these games are much more complicated than that, but that's at a space level. And then deck building in this case is not, it differs from one of the great pains of modern day uh, talking about games because of how Jeez. card games have infiltrated and so many different spaces.
0: meanings it's, to deck building.
1: Well, and people will say, Deck building games. I love deck building games. I've been playing a ton of Marvel Snap. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, deck building in this case is more like something like Slay the Spire, where you're starting with a deck of 10 cards. All f- this game plays with one to four players. And um, each player starts with a deck of 10 cards, and they're all identical at the start of the game. You're drawing a hand of five cards to start, and then there is a market offering of cards. And as part of your turn, you're going to be purchasing those cards and adding them to your deck. So then over the course of the game, people's decks diverge, become very different and have different capabilities because those new cards that you've added to the deck, uh, are new capabilities. So in this case, the way that it combines these two concepts is you, um, you've got several different areas of the board. So you have like, and it's fairly abstracted. This is not like a risk map or anything. You've got like some spaces on Arrakis. there's the desert spaces where there's spice that you can go get. There's the, um, populated areas which have, um, let you draw a card or get you some water because it costs water to go to the desert. Um, And then you've got like the faction spaces. So those are each faction has two spaces. The factions you got are the Bene Gesserit. You got the Fremen, you got the spacing guild and you got the empire. Um, So you're, you're, you're going to those spaces and increasing your reputation with them and getting certain things. You've got the Landstrad, which is like kind of the government of the, space and that's where you're going to do things like um, recruit a mentat you can recruit a swordsman which is like a third worker that you get Um, and and then you can also go and sell your spice and stuff too so the way that that interacts with your hand of cards is each of those different spaces has a different symbol on them in order to play your worker to that space and get the benefits of the space you have to play a card along with them that has a matching symbol. So um, they, you know, Dune has, Arrakis itself has two different symbols, the desert spaces and the civilized spaces. The uh, Landstrad has its own symbol, and then each of the factions have their own symbol. And so as you're, and then when you play a card, it's also often got a text box that'll have a thing that it gives you as an additional benefit for, um, for what you just did. And on top of all this, one of the things that you're doing, one of the benefits you can get from certain spaces is recruiting troops, which are just little cubes. And they go in a spot on the board called your garrison. And every round, there is a conflict card that's out. And certain actions let you add troops to the conflict. So they come from your little garrison area pool and go into the conflict. And then at the end of the round, there's you compare strength between different players and, uh, and then whoever wins is going to win the stuff on that conflict card. And there's winners in second place. And then if you're playing with four players, there's a third place uh, as well. And the ultimate goal of the game is to score victory points. There's a number of ways to do that. Some of the conflict cards have victory points on them, moving up and getting standing with the factions gives you victory points. Uh, And then there's also a card called the spice must flow which is a very expensive, always available card that you can buy. And if you can get your engine going to have enough ability to buy cards each turn, you can start buying those, and those give you victory points. Uh, And that's because after you play your action turns, once you've placed all your workers, you lay down for your next turn, you lay down whatever's in your hand remaining in terms of cards. And they all have what are called reveal abilities that are only triggered if you didn't use them to place a worker and those generate, like, income for you to buy new cards and uh, and sometimes other stuff as well. And so, like, the nice thing about this game is having just explained that to you, with maybe five to ten more minutes of specifics, you could start playing. It's actually not a super complicated mm-hmm. game. It's got, it has the thing that a lot of Euro games have where most of this information is conveyed with symbols on the board. Sure. So at first, you might look at it and go like, I don't know how to read this. But after you play a couple turns, it becomes very like, oh, okay, that's what these symbols are. This isn't that right. that uh, complicated. If you can do a Destiny raid, <laughs> then you will have no Where problem
0: <laughs> fish on the board.
1: learning to play Dune Imperium. JFK. Uh, he. That's 69 fish in JFK. I remember the voice <laughs> um, and, uh But what I really like about this game is... It, I think, the way that it combines these mechanics. The, the other wrinkle um, is that each player is also playing as a character from Dune. There's the four houses. I'm now uh, I can't Harkin remember and all of Atreides. them. Atreides.
0: Well, What's yes. The, uh,
1: those are the easy ones. The, uh, the,
0: is like the Emperor Imperial House or
1: um in the old Dune board game, uh, yes uh in this one it do any is, of the others even come
0: I up think, in the fucking book i don't think they do in passing yeah, so in the base game for this
1: game it's harkonnen atreides house thorvald uh, yeah okay and
0: um house richies or R- riches that one is that one um, doesn't ring a bell thorvald maybe may, I, I just read dune thorvald in the last, is like you know
1: last i believe
0: month, that like, ariana
1: thorvald comes is there at or at least referenced at some point in the original novel i'm once i get to, i think maybe reading a bunch of dune the dune sequels including ones that people think are bad is maybe going to be on my list I after am, i finish because uh-huh.
0: I, I i'm curious I'm, dune messiah uh, is
1: on my wish list messiah is supposed to be I great g- I so I that heard one's short thing. but yeah. uh yeah anyway um these different characters each of these houses has two characters you can play as. So we'll use a Atreides because sure. that's the, the easy one. If you, they're the sort of, they rate them on a t- scale of complexity. The less complex a Atreides character is Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can play as Paul. And um, there are each, each of these leaders has a kind of, I'm going to call it a passive ability, um, which is sort of an always passive, possible thing. So in the case of Paul, he can at any time in the game, whenever he wants, look at the top card of his deck. So you always know what the next card you're going to draw yeah. is, which is huge. That's a huge yeah. that changes the way that you play the game. And then each character also has um what's called a signet ability. You have a card in your deck called your signet ring. You can play it as one of your plays to place a worker when you do that, you do the signet ability in addition to placing the worker and getting whatever's on the space they go to. You you get to do the signet ability. And for Paul's case, it's draw mm-hmm. a card. So you always get to see what the next card is, and um, there's other stuff on the board that mm-hmm. lets you draw more cards. But um, you, you, you'll likely have a way to draw it if you want yeah. to. Uh, which can also get you into some situations where you're like, because at the end of the turn, you discard your whole hand and you draw a new hand oh. for the next turn. So there's situate that's just sort of a deck yeah. building thing deck building game thing there's also situations where you're like oh no i don't want to draw this card but to do this i mm-hmm. have to because that's it's not optional to do this stuff anyway that are you then fun.
0: like making like putting a discard pile and then when you're out of cards you just reshuffle everything okay you reshuffle the deck exactly yeah so the the way
1: that it works out mechanically is like you, you have 10 cards in your deck your first turn you play your five cards um you, let's say you buy a card at the end of the the round or at the end of your turn, which is when you do the buy cards thing. It goes to your discard pile. So then next turn, you draw up the other five cards in your deck. The turn after that, you're going to, there's a good chance you'll draw that card that you bought. So it's, that's just kind of how this genre of games works is you're putting things into your deck. And this game, you're not adding tons of cards to your deck because it's only you're probably only going to add seven to ten cards to your deck over the course of the game, um, because it's got about ten rounds. Mm. Um, You might add more than that, but it's not a super. And then there's also ways around the board to destroy cards from your hand so that you can thin your Mm -hmm. deck out and get it more efficient as well. Um, But so, like, Paul plays that way. So he's got this whole hand manipulation draw, like, seeing what's coming up. If you play as... um, Count Ariana Thorvald from House Thorvald. She her her passive thing is spice addict. So anytime that she harvests spice, you gain one less spice, which is a resource. The there's spice, water, and solari are the three resources. You gain them in different ways and they different things cost. Like for example, if you can get six spice, you can pay the spacing guild to drop five of your troops right into battle which is Mm. huge that'll like swing the whole. that turns conflict your way probably and that can score you two victory points and it's basically the first player to ten victory Mm -hmm. points is the winner so two is a lot Um, so Ariana when she harvests spice she gets less one less spice but she gets to draw a card Mm. so for her she's getting less of this resource but she's also able to cycle her deck more uh, and then she gets water whenever she plays her signet ring ability. So there's these different. Like, Harkonnen's is Vladimir Harkonnen, uh, not Raban. Raban is like the easy mm-hmm. Harkonnen. Vladimir Harkonnen is like the hard one. He he has an ability called Masterstroke, where at the start of the game, he secretly chooses two of the factions of the Bene Gesserit Space Guild, Emperor, Empire, and Fremen. He chooses two factions. The first time that he deploys four or more troops to a conflict, he reveals those two choices that come on little tiles. And then he gets one influence with each of those factions. So he's like, based on how he deploys into conflicts, he can then, out of nowhere, gain influence on these tracks with these factions. Which is Sounds like <laughs> gibberish, but it's it's a weird ability that is is that could be very powerful in the right situation. So the characters really do swing the game into a very different being a very different kind of thing. Um and uh I think that it's just very cool because it has a lot of it doesn't it my my least favorite thing in Euro type games like this, and obviously this game is very thematic, so a lot of times Euro game, my most, uh, my least favorite thing about Euro games is when it's like mechanics like these and what you're doing is like f- farming, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wheat, uh, <laughs> which is a lot I of your harvesting spice. Um, yeah, like viticulture, phenomenal game. It's also about running a vineyard, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a very compelling mm-hmm board game.
0: You're just uh, out here with all the hot takes concept. today. You're just burning at so many yeah, angry emails. Game, it's about incredibly your, well designed. It's Final Fantasy XIV uh, opinions and games about vineyards. I know. It's
1: Anyway, this game's theme is cool. Obviously, I like Dune. Love Dune. Um, but also, uh, what I the other thing I don't like about Euros is sometimes when you're playing them, you'll come to your turn and you'll feel like you have to waste your turn cuz you don't have what you need to do the thing you need to do. So it's frustrating cuz it's like, well, I can tell here that I've sometimes it feels like a chess match in a bad way in that like one wrong move and I may as well just concede. Yeah. But I can't do that because it's a four player game and if I concede it screws up the whole game and everyone will be have a bad time. So now I have to sit here and play the rest of this game when I already know that I fucked up 2 turns ago. And I'm Mm. screwed. That sucks. That feeling is one of my least favorite feelings in board games. What I like about Dune Imperium is it doesn't feel like that's a thing. Like it feels like at the end of the game, you might go back and go, ah, if I had done this and this, maybe I could have won. But that's a good feeling. That's like I learned something for next time. As you're playing, there's always something that feels good that you can do. You'll still run into times when you're like, ah, I want to take this conflict, but I could go to the spacing and Guild, but I only have five Spice and I need six and I can't get another Spice. You'll still have those moments, which are genuinely good brain-crunching moments in games, but you don't have a... I have not, in two games of it, which were solitaire, but the AI is very good at emulating what real players would do. Um, I, in two games of it, didn't have any, like, well, I don't know what to do now. I can't do anything. I can't do anything useful. Um there's always something to do. So uh very cool game. Uh, the funniest thing about it is I also picked up the expansion that came with it cuz that was like it was a buy one get one half off was the sale at my my local store. Um and uh this game is not one of those like super expensive it's less than a video mm-hmm. full price video game <laughs> to to get. Uh the expansion for it uh is cool because after two games of it, I was like, I didn't play with the expansion for my first couple playthroughs. Probably won't add it for a little bit, but I was like, man, you know, the one thing I don't like about this game and I hate it when euros do this is there's these three spaces in the land strat. I feel like they're worthless. Mm. There's always a better way to get what they offer and they're bad. Sure enough, the expansion includes a little folding board that you place over the land (laughs) strat section that removes those spaces and instead makes them it has this like trading mechanic that is much more interesting um so uh they they fix the one thing <laughs> that I thought seemed a little less than great uh, about the game in the expansion. It also adds like text and um some crazy new characters that do really wild stuff uh, and then there's another expansion coming out in two weeks ish okay. uh that is themed around the Tlexu tanks. It's called Immortality, which is a thing that you wouldn't know oh. about from having read the first book. I only know about it because I've played the old Dune <laughs> board game, and it's a big part of it. I don't want to spoil it for you because yeah. it's got some pretty fucking okay. wild stuff going on, but oh. uh, it's... it's oh, look forward to it. It's, yeah, uh, and the board game sounds like it, it adds, that the expansion sounds like it adds a lot of cool stuff to this game um to kind of further refine it and hone it so seems like people are super hot on it too it's i've one of my friends was saying one of my friends owns the game store that i shop at uh and he was saying uh that their euro game guy is like crazy about it and loves it and that's high praise because euro game people are usually pretty picky um so, it is uh, self described Euro game <laughs> people, anyway. I like a lot of Euro games. I would not call myself a Euro game uh-huh. guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, very cool game. Highly recommend trying it out if you get the chance because it's uh, very enjoyable. I'm sure at some point it'll get a digital Maybe, version yeah. too because that's the thing now. And it's made by a company that literally makes a lot of digital sure. <laughs> card
0: games. So, uh, I've been yeah. looking at the board game geek uh just like the the pictures section they're like okay i see what you're talking about here Uh, and there's one where it's the baron vladimir harkonnen card and they someone just pasted Mm -hmm. over an image from uh david lynch's dune with the harkonnen with the baron harkonnen from that uh which is very goofy and pointless but yeah yeah that yeah it I would possibly be interested in playing this now that I'm a fan of Dune, which I didn't expect to happen. <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know, it's not on my radar. And like, I've watched the movie. And I'm like, oh, I, I guess. And then read the book. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Yeah. It's good. It's good. We, we should, it's, I know we've said this about a lot of things, but we should definitely play it sometime. It's, uh, it's it's on Tabletop Simulator, sure.
0: and... Um, it might be I'm in sure that Real the, Life Simulator in a month and a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. We could definitely... That's, that's a very good
1: point. We could. And it actually is apparently really good two-player. It's one to four players, um, and when you play it solitaire, there's two AI players. They don't build decks of their own, so it's missing the people buying stuff from the market that you wanted part but they have their own deck of cards that you flip the card and then it tells you where they place their worker and so they place workers and deploy troops and all that stuff like they they, they're very fun so when you play a two-player game you include one of those ai characters but they can't they play a little differently. They don't score mm-hmm. points. All they do is kind of act as a foil to your worker placement. Um, and and uh, they have an effect on conflicts as well, but they can't win conflicts. So mm-hmm. only one of the two players can win. And then uh, three and four players, you're just playing with players.
0: I see, I see. Well, we'll, we'll have to look, yeah. into, look into that in the near future. Uh, I uh brought a couple games this week, just you know, quick little check-ins. I haven't played a ton of either one, but they've been games I've been thinking about for a while and uh, have gotten back to this week. One, uh, I originally started... Ooh, I don't know, I, I tried the demo, and again, I went back to the demo today, but I tried the demo, and I wanted to play this game in Japanese and you can't pause the cutscenes in Monster Hunter Stories 2. Wow. Like regardless of regardless of the Japanese here? thing, like why on earth would you make a game where you cannot pause the cutscenes? It's a good question. Like I I and they're not like so long or anything, but you know, they're a couple minutes or whatever, uh, occasionally. And that's, you know, that's just annoying. And so if I'm like, oh, what was that thing they said? I can't just, like, pause it and go look. You can go and watch the cutscene again. But if I want to try and, you know, follow the story as I'm going, it would be nice if I could pause the cutscene and go look up a word I don't know. Because there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But... I'm I'm able to follow along mostly okay. That there was I don't know, there was a light, they were having a festival and there was some light from a volcano or a mountain or something and they're like, We gotta go investigate and so now I've gotta my characters become a rider is what they call it in Japanese and
1: You see that mountain, you can colonize <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: it's already colonized, you're on an island you're okay. on an island okay. and you're like a okay. tribe or like a village that lives on the island and like native people mm-hmm. to this island, it seems. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know the full history, but there is like some sort of uh, Pacific Islander vibe going on with your uh, with your character in the town.
1: Turns out that they were they fled there because they were all Nazis, so it's still problematic. <laughs> but
0: yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. That's the that's that was all in Monster Hunter Stories One. But this is Monster Hunter Stories too, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, yeah. uh, Nazi Hunter Stories. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there, there's the light, and then they're like, "Oh, we got to send this teen out to become a a writer." Whatever you know, that's what they call it in Japanese. I don't want to call it in English because there are, of course, some localization differences. Even though they're using like English words sometimes, that's still you know. They change it in English, and so then that's like okay. Mm. I got to go find an egg and hatch the egg, and then that will be my monstie. Is what they call it in English. Monstie. Of course, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Show me your monsties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you go out with the uh, village, like the village rider. I I don't. Yeah, I don't know the social structure of the place, but. She's like, hop on this velociraptor, and you know what the velociraptors from early on in Monster Hunter. It's you're, you're riding on one of those. And you're friendly, and then you go off and you have like Pokemon battles, kind or JRPG battles. They're not really Pokemon battles; they're JRPG battles. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, Pokemon yeah. JRPG mm-hmm. battles. You know, they're JRPG battles too. But yeah. uh, so you're, you, but you've got a party here where you're made up with your friend and your. Uh, monsters that you're going around with. And so first you fight like the the basic dinosaurs that you kill for meat in Monster Hunter and you know, basic stuff like that. And the fight system uses a like pretty simple rock paper scissors mechanic. There are lots of abilities and things that impact this, but on the base level, you were choosing a powerful move a technical move or a speed move. And so they powerful beats technical, technical beats speed, speed beats power. And so depending on sure. which of those you choose, you go into combat and you fight the you'll clash with the enemy. And if you're if the enemy that you choose to attack is also going to attack you, which you can see via a line on the ground, it's like, okay, this enemy's gonna attack here and this one's gonna attack here. You do like a clash thing, if you've chosen the move that will beat their move, then you get extra damage and can maybe knock them down into a critical condition, or you increase the amount of energy you gain that lets you do special moves later in the fight. If you repeatedly do that, then you get special moves with your monstie and... Do weird anime stuff and make explosions, which doesn't make sense. How are these Velociraptors making explosions? I don't know. Uh, but it's you know classic JRPG, uh, mod- not even classic. It's kind of modern sure. JRPG sensibilities with that stuff, I guess.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's it's kind of on. Un- I mean, like games like Bravely mm-hmm. Default and stuff did a lot to sort of refresh. And it doesn't sound like I'm not saying it sounds like it plays. Just no, like again,
0: oh, Bravely Default, doesn't that play like the, what the, what the, 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 Allison loves it, Octopath? Aren't those? No. Okay.
1: Mm, no, Bravely Default's a little more, um, Octopath is definitely more mm-hmm. traditional, I would but say. Bravely that's got like the, Bravely default has the stuff timeline on like,
0: Octopath, so.
1: Yeah, no, Bravely Default has like, it's, it's like. It's like kind of old school JRPG combat, except that it has sort of some move selection stuff, mm-hmm. like you're talking about, that affects when you go and oh, right, what mm-hmm. your character does. Because you can be, you can brave, you can do a brave move or a default mm-hmm. move, and it's <laughs> right. yeah, a default mean, move. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't sound. Yeah, I know. It's it doesn't sound like. Yeah, it's plays the same as Monster Hunter Stories, but I guess I'm just saying it yeah. sounds like. Monster, Monster Hunter Stories always sounded like it was a little more modern. Yes, it, it is. Than
0: some of those even than like something like Ocarina Yeah, or things. like if the other recent JRPG I've played is Dragon Quest 11, it it's like that's very vanilla and Monster Hunter Stories has yes, a little very more traditional going on even though on the surface it seems pretty simple where it's just like okay, this move beats this move, this meets this move beats this move and etc. Uh, the, But they do start to, they also incorporate weapon types into it. So the first example you get, I've only done like a couple of combat encounters and kind of the first story thing. But you fight another one of the velociraptor type enemies, the one that has it's like pink and has feathers and it likes to pick up stuff. And in the fight, it picks up a big mm-hmm. like boulder or a big rock and it's holding it and it's going to do something with it. I guess it's going to attack you and crush you with this rock. And you're you're fighting, it and the game's like, oh, you gotta crush this rock, oh god! And but with your sword, you, you you're just you're doing no damage to it. Like, okay, you gotta switch to the hammer. And you pull out the big hammer, and then the big hammer can do a lot of damage to this rock. And so then you can smash the rock, put the enemy into a vulnerable state where you can do a whole bunch of damage right. to them. And there's like three, I guess, three different classes of weapon. I think. You've got like the heavy, probably it's probably like a similar speed, powerful technique thing. Uh I have not gotten far enough to see it, but it's got a lot of the things that you have come to expect from Monster Hunter. There's crafting where you're picking up honey and mushrooms and spider webs in the forest, and then you can craft those into different recipes that you get throughout the game. Uh, and yeah, all that stuff. It it seems uh cute. And uh, interesting, the of course you've got like your your little mascot character. There's, a, I guess it's a Palico, but they're all Palicos, right? It's, it's a little talking cat, and yeah, Palicos. Yeah, cats yeah. are Palico. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it, it's more more talkative than other Palicos because normally Palicos are just there and they're like sure. yeah, and smacking stuff with hammers. This one is, uh, I don't know if sassy's the right word. He's he's like Meowth from that pokemon where mm. he likes to talk but then he's constantly getting like embarrassed and weird stuff is happening to him and you know uh, he, he seems like a lovable scamp but the first thing he does is like I want some donuts like give me some donuts and then he later has a donut and I'm like where did you get a donut on this island there's no like Dunkin' around here. What what is going on here? It's like a chocolate glazed donut. It's very.
1: I know. I have that same problem.
0: <laughs> there's no Dunkins really, around huh? here. Not East Coast. No, they don't exist. No, it's an East Coast. I mean, there is Dunkin' yeah. yeah. in my hometown, but it was years ago. I don't know if there's I don't oh, know if they're if still. Only. But you know if they, I I don't know where this cat got the donut. It was very confusing. But then so then like I.
1: Well, he didn't get it in Seattle. True.
0: Uh so you you get this egg from this dinosaur and you take it back to town and then guy does some weird dance and, you, and then it makes the egg hatch and you do you have these like medallions so you do like a Power Rangers it's morphin time thing and while the egg hatches and that's what makes the monster like bonded to you I guess I'm not sure I'm playing this game in Japanese there's a lot of nuance I'm probably missing but I have been <laughs> able to like at least read the tutorials and follow the conversations decently while they're happening be like okay i i know what i'm supposed to do next and like okay you're like so you went with me before but now you're saying i got to go do this next step on my own as part of my training to become a writer and become official or whatever uh but after like an hour my brain was started to like oh god what are you doing what this is not uh, this is not okay, and started to shut down, and it became hard to just uh, read any more <laughs> tutorials, so I had to I had to step aside. Sure. But I think I'm going to pull the trigger and buy it on the Steam sale, because if I get a Steam Deck, yeah, that's where I'd like to play it, is on Steam Deck. And it would be oh, yeah, just so like sure pick it up, that. put it down. I think you on Switch, you can like sleep the system, and then that'll like pause the cutscene. I don't know if that'll work on Steam Deck, but you can't just like sleep your computer and it'll just keep playing, apparently. People have been complaining about it.
1: Well, Steam Deck, eh, eh. That's yeah. frustrating. On on Steam Deck, it will suspend yeah. games for you. It's I don't know what black magic yeah. it's doing yeah. to make it work. But it's weirdly it yeah. just works. So. so there's even some games that have online connectivity that it just uh, like I flip it back on and it's like Okay, we're reconnected,
0: and I'm like, "Why well, can't? What are you? Why doing, don't Steve the other consoles do that? What the hell?"
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm probably gonna pick it up so I can uh, give it a, you know, continue to poke away at it. Uh, you know, whether that's like a couple minutes at a time or an hour at a time or whatever, it see it's, it's like just over my level in a way where I can make sense of things, but still have to go like, what the hell what what is that word? I don't I don't know, but I think it'll be good practice for me, uh and more engaging than like Pokemon. I just wish I could pause the cutscenes or something, uh, so I could <laughs> if I get distracted or whatever because that's just bad design in this day and age. Unacceptable, but yeah. That's Monster Hunter Stories 2. Pretty cheap on the Steam sale. I think it's like less than twenty bucks. Uh, maybe like 15. Uh, yeah, really. I think, uh, it is 19. It's oh, is it's it's, it's 18 bucks or 19 bucks. Yeah. Nice. I, th- I, I thought it was still like 30 nope, bucks. From, nope, it's uh, uh it's full price still, like normally is 60 bucks, but it, it uh, yeah, it yeah, came out ju- July of last year and still like a lot of Japanese games on Steam. or yeah, well. This tend to t- tend to stay at that high price, but yeah, it's sixty seven percent off, so yeah. it's down to a nice twenty bucks. And maybe this will scratch the Pokemon itch for now. And it seems like they're doing a lot of updates and stuff for it. And in the world, uh, you've got these monsters, 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 Uh What are they called? They call them <laughs> oh, OtoMo, like friend, uh Otomomon or something. Uh, which is like Mm. a friend monster. Uh, But as you run around the world with these monsters, you can... Like the Velociraptor one can jump across little pits, and you've got ones that can fly. And then there's another one that I can't remember what it was. I don't think it's swim. Might be climb? Maybe? I don't remember. Because I haven't encountered any of that. There's only the jumping. But I know one can fly... Because They show it in, like, the... It's like the cover art. It shows you riding on the back of, like, a Rithallos. And But I don't remember what the other one is. But, yeah, I'm curious to check it out uh, a little bit more because I think it hits that sweet spot of monsters I like to design of, that Pokemon has, but then is, like, doing something different, kind of. Like, it's still battles, but that's at least what the monsters and Monster Hunter do They're just like fighting and living their life So In my head it makes sense And is justifiable <laughs> And I don't expect anything else From these uh, these Nazi scientists who have to go and live on this island mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Exactly And uh, Speaking of Nazi scientists I'm playing A war game But not Call of Duty Uh and not anything that has to do with the uh, World War Two or Nazis. Uh, Battlefield 2042 out on Game Pass now. They finally put like did a full Game Pass release, not just a trial.
1: Is it on EA it's on,
0: Play? Well, it's if you've got Game Pass, it's it's been on EA Play. Yes, but, but it's, that's yeah. So it's if you have Game Pass, then you can play it on EA Play. But you do have to Got install it. the okay. EA yeah. app but it's not like it installs like on
1: yeah on PC yeah 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 trust me i know look i have also been trying to find the fun i'm not going to talk about it at length but i've been trying to find the fun in, in mm-hmm. fifa because it's you know problematic world mm-hmm. cup season etc mm-hmm. etc cetera, et cetera, and soccer on the brain i have yet to f- have a good time playing yeah, yeah. fifa
0: but that's why I didn't bring uh-huh. it. Talk I, I talked uh, about it when Chris was. Here. I've been installing the EA <laughs> we app. Could, we as could well. talk about yeah. that uh, off the podcast if you want, because uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. some experiences. No, to
1: tell me about your times with yeah. Battlefield. So
0: I so. enjoyed Battlefield 2042 uh, when it came out, despite what the popular consensus around that game was. I think you enjoyed your time with it at the I time as too.
1: well. I did. I my m- biggest issue is it never ran. Mm-hmm. It always ran like. In that that range of like forty five sure. to to sixty ish FPS mm-hmm. for me, and I have a hard time really uh-huh. loving games well, like that that are really loving sure, multiplayer yeah. shooters. Well, when like you get that.
0: your new, it's the same issue I had with uh-huh. Cold War. When you get your new uh, components next week, maybe it'll run better because I, I feel like this is a. I'm going to give it a try because a CPU.
1: It's yeah. a CPU intensive. I don't think my video card was yeah. the problem. Uh,
0: I think it was more of a CPU. Thing and, sure. uh, but I will say, I, I don't feel like the year... Has it been a year? Or is it more than a year? When did this game come out? I don't even know. It came out last year. I don't think the time has... I think it was... Yeah, I think it was around this time last year. It's been a year. I don't think the time... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm they've done much to improve the performance it still seems like pretty much the same game
1: no i tried it a couple weeks yeah. ago or like a couple weeks before modern <laughs> warfare 2 came out so like a month ago and uh yeah it was not yeah. uh it was not doing, doing yeah. great from a performance perspective yeah so still. i've
0: i've been playing call of duty still like pretty much every day like i've only missed like one day but i was curious to go back to uh battlefield and see what they've changed because i thought they were doing like a class change but it doesn't seem like they did i'm maybe they did and it's like more subtle than i was expecting it to be i'm not really sure i like how the system is i think like i thought all their character stuff was, yeah, was totally fine. fine and i didn't
1: people flipped out and were like it's like overwatch and battlefield but all it is is like one yeah, ability and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's they were, not it's yeah, like they were like mad Overwatch. that anyone could equip like any weapon and like any other like you know combination of things. I'm like yeah, that. Whatever. Yeah, no, whatever. that's great. Like do weird shit. Uh but mostly all I want to do in Battlefield, I'm finding, is just snipe. It's all I want to do. I don't wanna like I don't think the I don't think the gunplay is like that good. It's like it's fine, it's acceptable, but I think the sniping is where it really exceeds because of the sizes of the map or size of the maps. Uh, they're so large and you can, you know, see people real far away that compared to Call or compared to like Call of Duty, like either quick play for those maps are just the basic multiplayer are not built for sniping. Uh, you can going have like some corridors here and there, or you can play Ground War, which... Has you know some sniping stuff, and you can, but I just think it's not as satisfying as the Battlefield 2042 sniping.
1: The maps are cooler in Battlefield 2042 <laughs> yeah. than
0: they are in yeah. Ground War,
1: that's what it comes yeah, down to the, for me. There's certainly that, uh, and they have more cool effects. The weather stuff is, I, yeah, very I've, cool I've in seen
0: that game. a little bit, and I guess like their whole thing is like it, you know, you shouldn't see it every game. Uh, I've I did start a game and there was already like a tornado blowing, which was cool. I hadn't seen that before. Like, at the very start of the match, there was just tornado going off uh, right on one yeah, of the points. Cool. That was uh, exciting, but it was also like, oh god, where are they? Where are they coming from? Can't see anything. Uh, but that that's part of the excitement of the game. And yeah, so it's been fun to get in there and enjoy sniping again. And the, and I'm not like some amazing sniper or anything like that, but that's that's where I find my joy in that game. One thing I'm having... I don't know if it's an issue, but we talked about it last time, I believe, with Call of Duty, was how I'm like, eh, the Battle Pass, I don't... There's nothing in there that I'm really loving in Call of Duty. And I feel the same way about Battlefield. Like, they're on Season 3, and it everything feels pretty... sterile? It's just like, yeah, yeah, they've got some futuristic-looking stuff, but it's boring for the most part. uh, At least, like, aesthetic-wise. There was maybe a cool-looking tank or something. A cool-looking vehicle skin that's on the free track. I haven't bought it, but um, there hasn't been anything where I'm like, oh, I really want to have that and play with that. I don't know how much I'm actually going to continue playing it, but one of the Early free unlocks is a rail gun that has just Yeah, it's okay. just I mean it's like a, It's not some like ridiculous overpowered thing, but it's it's like a kind of a marksman rifle type thing that has like zero drop off. But it doesn't have um it has it's got a charge up time, so you gotta charge it up and then it fires something really far and straight, but it doesn't have a like good scope basically it's got maybe like a 2x scope on it and <laughs> so i took it into a game and i was like i wonder because i i just like, i'm just gonna go in and try this and i land up on like some high area over some shipping containers uh parachute down and i pull out the gun i'm like okay let's snipe i'm like wait this is a 2x what the hell but uh, I was able to like make out some people and knock some shots off and took down some few of uh, took down a few dudes with this uh with this rail gun and that was pretty cool but I wish it was a little more silly or something. It holds like twenty shots per magazine and you get like a hundred and fifty like reserve ammo so you can just like fire it forever if you find a good spot to hang out but i yeah, I'm sure some people are doing something weird with it. But I don't know of what the other weapons in the season pass are like. But it's, if they're going to do futuristic, a futuristic game, it makes sense to do stuff like railguns. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm uh, all for it. Makes it makes sense to do stuff yeah. like railguns. Because a lot of the... Put lasers yeah, in there, exactly. man. Uh, a lot of the... There's like a pistol in there. I'm not sure what the pistol does because uh, I haven't unlocked it. Um, but... I think the I said, you know, the gunplay is like eh, in Battlefield and at least in my opinion, uh, because I haven't gotten super deep into it. But I think the weakest, maybe weakest point is it takes a long time to unlock weapons and stuff in that game. And there are only a handful of like each type you know maybe like 6 or 7 of like assault rifles maybe and then like there's like yeah f- at early on like I'm level 54 55 and I still only have like three pistols and like those are the only thing you can put in your sidearm and stuff like that and I'm just like come on give me yeah. give me something let me unlock some more stuff
1: yeah I am pretty I think the gunplay in that game is good. The biggest thing that it has that I... I actually don't know that I like sniping in it as much as I do in Call of Duty, but part of that's because I like that in Quick Play, Call of Duty, the weapons are a little... The sniper rifles are a little more hitscan.
0: Um, sometimes managing the ballistic... Yeah, people. The, uh-huh. the drop oh, i love that that's, that's what i like about in, battlefield is is and well, like lining up yes. having to like conceptually having to account for like
1: conceptually i like it a lot more but what it results in is in games when i try to snipe it's like i look at the leaderboard at the end and i have like four uh-huh. kills that i scraped and clawed for because i carefully mm-hmm. lined up every single shot and somebody who ran around with an smg has like Forty-seven kills, and I'm kind of like, yeah,
0: I, I don't, I don't care about that. Uh, I, I just, I want to. When I'm playing Call of um, Duty, I care about that. But when I'm playing Battlefield, I'm just like, I just want to get, the, I want to get the cool sniper kills. <laughs> sure, uh, you
1: should play Arma. Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> but uh, the, the, uh, the, um, the thing that I just don't think is as satisfying in Battlefield for sure. So the thing that is objectively, in my opinion, better in Battlefield than it is in Call of Duty is the destructible yeah. uh, environments. Now, Call of Duty maps, it just wouldn't okay. fit for them yeah. to be destructible in the standard quick play. I think it sucks that Warzone and Ground War yeah. doesn't have destructible environments. Like, Warzone would be so much more cool if I could drive a sure. ITV or LTV, whatever, through the wall of a mm-hmm. warehouse to go inside, like, and it's so stupid when you're driving those vehicles around in Warzone and you hit mm-hmm. a fence, and the oh. fence is like, <laughs> you nope, know,
0: rock yeah. solid.
1: It sucks. And Battlefield feels so good. Like the coolest moments I had in Battlefield were times when it was like a couple friends and I in a house trying to fight to take a point in like a fifty yard engagement with people at a at a gas station or whatever across the street and then a tank mm-hmm. <laughs> just comes barreling through the wall, and we all have to dive, and yeah. you know, one person dies, but two of us survive, and I get a rocket off at the tank and stuff, or hits, yeah. hit it with C4. That stuff is so cool. But the progression in 2042 is just not there for yeah. me. Um, Absolutely. I don't think it's terrible, but I definitely don't understand why they have such a hard time. To me, I almost feel like, look, the game flopped it's one of the most hated games on steam like just unlock everything (laughs) for everybody stop with this thing just don't just i'm not saying take away everything to to progress with but like give me the option to just take a menu option to
0: give me all the (laughs) shit
1: that way i can just play the game there are Um,
0: like yeah it's they want you to do grind so much more to get everything yeah like, you have to grind each weapon to get the attachments for that weapon and the way they have it set like the attachment system in the in the game is really cool because you can on the fly in the middle of the game you yeah, can, the way you've you got them. like yeah. a mm-hmm. menu of three things per like slot that you can like you can have three different scopes that you can take on and off and three different mag or ammo types and barrels and under you know sure. under barrel attachments and stuff like that or whatever it is but it takes so long to unlock them. You have to get, like, it's, and it's per weapon, so it's, like, you have to get 500 kills with this weapon to unlock this thing. And like, why? (laughs) Why does it need to take so long? Stop it. But I I think it's, it's a fun game. It's just so much around it is, uh, you know, it gets in its own way, which is a bummer, but uh, yeah i'm i'm still having a good time i'm glad they put it on game pass finally uh, i guess a year after the fact um and i'll i'll probably keep going back at least for a little bit and maybe check in on new seasons or whatever see if there's anything cool but yeah um, i i think they do have a good progression for the battle pass where they have weekly challenges um which i think call of duty is lacking um then they've got the daily challenges in call of duty and stuff you can do but it'd be nice to have like weekly mission type things like oh go try this specific thing and you know do whatever uh for battlefield it was yeah like, play the new character and use their special ability to get you know deal this much damage uh get headshots like you know get uh on you know get 30 headshots and like cap points and or cap or neutralize points and stuff like that. Uh so it was like, okay, actually go and play the real game and don't just snipe constantly. Uh was you know. It was it was nice to have more to work towards where in Call of Duty I finished those in like, you know, a game or two usually, uh the daily missions. So it was nice to just ha- you know, give me a reason to play a little bit more. It is
1: It's weird because there used to be weekly and seasonal challenges that you had to do in Modern Warfare 2019, Mm -hmm. so it's very strange to me that they don't have any of that stuff in Modern Warfare 2. For me, I don't care because I just love playing Modern Warfare 2 so much that I don't really need any... If anything, sometimes I get the, like, get two headshots with a battle rifle, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm Uh leveling a sniper rifle right now, so fuck off, (laughs) uh... (laughs) So I I I would just almost always rather play my way in Call of Duty so in a sense I'm almost glad that they t- mm-hmm. took them out. <laughs> right, but it is weird. I think most yeah. people would prefer to have them and I don't yeah. know why they.
0: they it's yeah, you know. cuz I I feel like I'm leveling the battle pass so slow in Call of Duty. Like, you know, it's there's like 2 months left on it, so, you know, like there's plenty yeah. of time to level it up, but it just it feels like I have to play so many games. I'm not, like, counting, but, like, oh, I had to play four games to get one Battle Pass level, but compared to what I'm unlocking and what I have to get through to unlock stuff, I'm like, yeah, like, I don't care about the weapon charms. <laughs> uh, and so, when I have to, like, unlock weapon charms and stickers to get to the next thing, and you know, at least there's a little bit of choice along the way, and you can like, okay, I want to go towards this, and not just having to go through a linear progression is a neat idea. But yeah, uh, I think part of it for me is probably that I like all
1: that mm-hmm. dumb, the weapon charms and all the. I got the sticker that's the coffee mm-hmm. sticker, I, and I really like that. If they, stuff. Like, if they get
0: to enjoy. like the weirder stuff, because like nothing in nothing in this background yeah, yeah, yeah. appeals to me really, but. You know, the weapon blueprints will be nice to have. But once they start doing, like, goofier stuff, and, you know, if they do, like... I I don't even know what they would have to put in to be like, okay, yeah, 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 I get it. But, you know, if they go a little more obscure and weird, esoteric with it, then I could be into it and have, like, a little alien man hanging off my gun or something. Uh, That could be fun. But there was... Oh, yeah, so I, I, I keep thinking uh so between like call of duty and like destiny or destiny's not really they've got the weekly challenges but like games like destiny or battlefield that have the weekly challenges and then call of duty which currently doesn't have weekly challenges maybe they'll add them in later or like in the next season or something who knows uh and then halo infinite or battle the battle master chief collection there are interesting things happening with battle passes where Battlefield and Call of Duty are kind of doing the traditional, like, what they have been for the past several years. Call of Duty doing this map thing, which I guess I guess Fortnite has done in the past, where it's a non-linear progression. It's different, it's different because it's, it's like yeah, a menu yeah, It's a map, Yeah, non-linear yeah. progression through the thing, where, you know, you get to choose what you unlock in what order to some extent, you know, you get... Uh, yeah, yeah. And then... Master Chief collection uh, which started it and then Halo Infinite continues doing the you can buy the battle pass at any time you can buy old battle passes if you want and you can just work on that battle pass if there's something in that old pass that you mm-hmm. want and you're just you're making progress on whatever battle pass you want I think that is something that more games need to adopt uh, and would I would love to see that so they can get rid of the FOMO stuff but I I'm sure FOMO is part of how they continue to make money with these games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it... If you ask me, the best way that they could do it or the most enjoyable way for me is make... (laughs) Hear me out. Instead of a battle pass, you kind of take the Call of Duty idea, but you make it like a sphere grid. And so what if... We use Call of Duty as an example. What if, when the next battle pass comes out, the map just zooms out? And now we've got, you know, your sector A is like, it's like or A1, A2, or. A3. Next season, the map zooms out and they add sector B mm-hmm. to the map. And when you buy the sector B battle pass, you're just buying basically a starting point that's like, like, we can say Sector B stuff remains locked. Like, you have to own the mm-hmm. Sector Pass to get yeah, to yeah, the yeah. Sector. But let's say the start point for B is is next to one of mm-hmm. the last pots, spots you can get to for A. So then if you want to, you can go backwards mm-hmm. from there. And as long as you bought Sector A. And you can continue to just sort of spread mm-hmm. from Sector A if you didn't finish it sure. all the way. I think that'd be awesome. If it's like this ever-expanding map of, like unlocks yeah. that you can get uh you just have to buy each sector pass as they come out but you can go back and buy the previous ones yeah. i think that'd be awesome um it, it would be super cool and i think it would give these games longer life yeah. because if if um sounds like there's going to be mm-hmm. who knows it, it's unclear if there's going to be another call of duty yeah. game next year Shrier is convinced that there isn't Activision certainly wants you to think that there will be
0: but, so yeah, the marketing language, <laughs> who knows? Um, what a new call of duty experience will be is of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's say that there is a new
1: one next year. I, I would like to keep playing modern sure. warfare Two, And that's kind of what I, what I plan to do It'd be so cool. If like I could play it for the next five years and leisurely make my way yeah. through like 10 passes of content and if I could just pay them for them yeah. as I want, and then they're still gonna get money either way. So yeah, I think it's it's a it's a smart idea. I don't think it would work for a game like Fortnite because Fortnite is so into that FOMO yeah. element because they have their the the store in Fortnite rotates through old battle yeah. pass content yeah. that you can now buy. Um there's some unique bundles in the store, but most of it is old Battle Pass content that's that's mm-hmm. rotating through. So, I don't think they could get away with like I don't think it would work. Well, let me f- reframe. I think they would make less money if they sure. did that. Let's put it and that
0: way. Fortnite, uh, at least, I mean, you could do like the it's season two or whatever, uh, like you know, or what are they in like. Not season two. What what's the chapter chapter three? Yeah, whatever whatever they're on. Yeah, whatever. Uh, If it's like okay, you can get the battle passes for chapter three now, or chapter two is done. Now you can go back to chapter two stuff, or you know whatever. Uh, I think there's a way you could do it, or like you can buy an extra battle pass at some point. You could have like you could have like the the current battle pass, and you could have one old battle pass, and you know something like that. I don't know. There there are lots of ways that these companies could yeah you know shake up the battle pass make it more, yeah. friendly. Pass, make it more <laughs> friendly and then you can get those people who missed those old seasons who couldn't buy it and well, that's then you the can thing, go right? oh yeah, yeah I want to get yeah. that I want to get all that stuff in that old battle pass and you know they can make use of those XP boosters and the coins and you know all that stuff uh, there's, you know, you're still getting the money back, uh, or you know, you're, you can still make money on those. People. I think
1: Call of Duty is uniquely positioned for it too, because they could say people would be pissed, and they'd be justifiably pissed. But they could say, like, okay, it's been a year, you can still access this this sector map in Modern Warfare, but just so you know. it's going away in Warzone we for a new year of content so the old sector map is gone so they could still FOMO you if you're just a Warzone player and get you to spend a bunch of money on Mm -hmm. skips or whatever tokens whereas then and then just leave it in Modern Warfare 2 and so like well you could just keep playing these battle paths but then you gotta also buy Modern Warfare 2 for $70 Uh, (laughs) so yeah yeah, I think that, that they're in a unique position to be able to Experiment with that and still fuck people over if they don't find that it works better to do it the more consumer friendly way.
0: And like Destiny has, uh, you know, Destiny, for example, has their, you know, the seasons of content and like you can still go play that content, but then you, you know, you, you can't go get the, uh, yeah, yeah, but but you can't go get the, uh, you know, if you, if you want those cosmetics or whatever, you can't get those. Like it'd be nice if you could just like burn through those. But they're also so. Destiny is a weird one. Season pass is so easy to get through. That
1: yeah, if you're playing Destiny, if you're playing Endgame Destiny, kind of on any level over the course of a season, you're going to finish the battle pass without even having to. But the way
0: they sell that game, and like you can buy the the battle passes piecemeal, but the way they get or the season pass, you know, whatever they're calling them, but the way they sell like the deluxe edition or whatever that has. The C like the year of content basically. If you get like the eighty dollar Witch Queen version or hundred dollar whatever it was for Witch Queen, like you're paying for that, and like they don't bring the price down that much. Like they just let you access no. all of those seasons pass. You still get all the like story honestly. Content, I but come on, give them the passes. Yeah, yeah, yep. I agree. Shake up the Battle Pass twenty twenty four. That's
1: I'm I'm curious as to when Wow's going to do a battle pass. It's got to happen eventually. Oh,
0: they still don't have one. Yeah, who knows? Put mounts in there, the transmogs, I guess. I they have, s-
1: yeah. I mean, there's plenty of stuff they could put in. There's seasonal content mm-hmm. in it. Like they mm-hmm. do seasons. Yeah. It, they'll do like Dragonflight mm-hmm. season one, and then Dragonflight season two, and that'll they add like raids. And and other events mm-hmm. and content and stuff sort of similar to the way that destiny adds the non battle pass yeah. seasonal stuff. Um stuff. I don't think that wow has weekly quests, mm. but it like that are story related, but um, it's not far off from that. It, they add yeah. activities and stuff in a sort of similar way. Mm.
0: Um, wow. Well, hopefully that more people, it seems like from here on, we're going to see more interesting takes on the battle pass and more, varied approaches
1: I hope so yeah it's I think that it's the Call of Duty Pass being the way it is definitely makes it would make it hard for me to go back to a st- st- like kind of static track along the bottom that goes up because um, there's something psychological to me at least about I like a lot of the the cosmetics I love mm-hmm. the blueprints in the current Battle Pass Call of Duty Battle but they remind me of like Final Fantasy 7 for some mm-hmm. reason because they have that font sure. on them that like tactique verge or whatever and it looks like something <laughs> from FF7. Uh but um but the it feels better to go, okay, well, I need to complete this sector because then yeah. I get this blueprint. So boom, 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 here's these four things, then it does to level up the battle pass and go like, I don't fucking care that I got to level mm-hmm. 14. I want to get to level 25 yeah, for the yeah. next thing I care about. Um so I I definitely like the change that they made to it and um it's by comp- the other battle pass that I'm working on is the Marvel Snap pass and like by comparison the Marvel Snap pass is like I like it because I get more resources from it which I want to use to increase my collection level but like the stuff in it is like
0: yeah mm. it's
1: Variants are cool, but there's like three card variants in here and two emblems and the rest of it is just gold or boosters or credits. It's, no,
0: I, uh, I, I did to not buy this battle pass because like, you know, Black Panther's cool, but like there wasn't anything about the card that seemed like, oh yeah, I want to use this card or anything. No,
1: so, no, it's totally it's, to, uh, it's totally because I want yeah. the extra resources. Yeah, sure. That's why that, I bought that's it. Not, that's not worth, <laughs> uh, I, I would
0: like extra resources, but not worth $10 to me, so uh, sure, at least, yeah. you know, not this time around. Uh, if they think whoa, what's yeah. the next one? Is it Cosmic theme set, I think, uh, like Thanos, something like or that. Maybe not Thanos. I don't know. Someone, something in the next set, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's Battlefield 2042 <laughs> Battle Pass 2042 coming at you, uh, and that is going to do it for episode 249 of the Gaming Fix podcast on. November 26th, 2022, I've been your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. The Wet Gamer, a.k.a. your partner's favorite computer proponent. You can find me on Twitter at CoolSlaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W, Pat, where can people find you? You can find me at PJC Plus. You can find the, the, the podcast on Twitter at FixPodcasts. You can find Jeff Davis, the composer of our wonderful theme song. At Stranger Peace on TikTok, Twitch, and uh, Twitter. Yeah, TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. And uh, send us an email to gamingatfix.space where you tell us what your ideal battle pass would be. Shake up the space. Come on. Do it. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Gaming Fix Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, gamers. Also stay wet for all you non-Americans.